And before we could see what it was, he tossed it into the air. Instead of falling to the floor as we expected, it flew across the room till it struck the ceiling, where it fluttered a while and finally sank to the floor. It was a little toy known to scientists as a helicopter, which, but which we, with sublime disregard for science, at once dubbed it a bat. It was a light frame of cork and bamboo covered with paper, which formed two screws driven in opposite directions by rubber bands under tension. A toy so delicate lasted only a short time in the hands of a small boys, but its memory was abiding. This experience that they had when they were small children gave them an insatiable desire to fly. But with that desire to fly, they recognized that they lacked the means at that point to make it happen. So they spent their lives removing the obstacles that stood in the way of making their dream a reality. Everything that stood between them and their dream, they said, we've got to remove it in order to make this happen. And they, what they did is they had a vision as children that they wanted to fly. And so they began to work to engineer that vision. They began to take a course to make that dream a reality. And there's something about vision that enables ideas and convictions to take on substance. I want to tell you today that life is a journey. And all of us are on a journey. My question is, what is your destination in life? You may say, well, I want to go to heaven or I want to avoid hell. That's an eternal destination. I'm talking about in this life. There are various roles that you play. Husband, father, maybe a businessman, maybe a, a, a housewife, a Christian, a person who has a desire or passion for ministry. Where will you end up in the various roles that you play in life, personally, professionally, at home, and spiritually? Because everybody ends up somewhere in life. Wow, that's profound. Everybody ends up somewhere in life. But there are a few people who end up somewhere on purpose. They end up where they decided to go. These are the ones with this thing called vision. Our lives are multifaceted. And so our vision will be multifaceted, as I mentioned, the various roles that we play. You have multiple visions for your life. In order to understand this, if I were to ask you to provide a picture, a mental picture for me of what you want the various areas of your life to look like 10 years down the road. If I said describe the picture of your life 10 years from now, perhaps you would have certain things financially and relationally and professionally with your children if you have kids that you would like to see 10 years down the road. If you can paint that picture for me, that's this thing called vision, a desire, a passion, a heartbeat, and something that you see that could happen, that not just could happen, but it should happen. That's what we call vision. When a person has clear vision and the courage to follow through, it increases dramatically the chances 
that when they are older, in the twilight years, they can look back on their life with deep satisfaction. I did it. I accomplished it. I finished well. My life mattered. I made a difference. I'm talking about the power of vision. Without clear vision, you may get to the end of your life and wonder, what could you or should you have done? I want you to catch this phrase right now, a key phrase. Vision gives significance to the otherwise meaningless details of life. Details that seem insignificant suddenly take on greater significance when you're living a life with vision. Amen. What we do doesn't seem to matter when it's evaluated apart from the context of the larger purpose. But when you have purpose and when you have vision, everything matters. The routines, your responsibilities, your work, all of these things in life look different when they're viewed through the lens of vision. The lens of vision enables you to bring your world into focus and it brings order to the chaos of life. I want to challenge you people of God today to live a life with vision because vision brings passion to your life. Uh, Anybody like to daydream? Sometimes it's nice to think about the way things could be. Some of you used to daydream about that girl paying you attention in high school. Some of you used to daydream about the day when you'd be able to get behind the wheel of a car, turn on the ignition, and drive away. What happens when you daydream? You begin to experience an enjoyable emotion. It essentially allows you to experience ahead of time the emotions of the future. And I want to tell you that vision brings passion in this regard. Routine things can begin to feel good when they are attached to a vision. Amen. Too many people in the world just live day to day. They just act and make decisions based on what feels right right now. But people of vision make decisions that may not make sense in the short term or in the immediate but they sure make sense when they are attached to a greater vision. And the routine of things like following a budget and saving money and being consistent in your diet, little things like these in your life, when you have a vision of a preferred future, begin to feel good. But if you're living without any vision, the mundane remains mundane. And you don't continue in making positive and effective decisions in life. So vision creates passion. Vision also gives us motivation. It lets you realize that the mundane things do matter. I want to tell you today that if you meet a person that seems to lack motivation in their life, they seem not to be motivated, they seem to lack initiative, you are meeting a person who hasn't discovered yet the power of vision. Because when you get vision in your life, it gives you a reason to get out of bed in the morning. It gives you passion to better yourself. It gives you a desire to remove any of the obstacles between where you are and where you want to be and this preferred future that you see ahead. A person with motivation is a person with vision. A person without motivation is a person with no vision. Vision is why you completed college. Amen. How many know it wasn't easy to get through college? Take those tests. Study for those exams. A lack of vision is why some people don't finish or don't go forward with that. Vision is what motivates you to pursue what could be. Vision also sets a direction for your life. 
It simplifies decision-making because here's how it works. Everything that brings you closer to the vision gets a green light. Anything that's questionable about getting you closer to the vision gets a caution light. And so you make decisions based on the vision for your life. Uh, Everything else is approached with caution. Now, I believe it's important to have a vision for your family. And when you take a wife or a husband, and when you begin to have children, all of a sudden things that used to be important aren't so important anymore. All of a sudden you start giving less time to the hobby that was so enjoyable to you before because you have a vision for what you want your family to look like and how you want your children to turn out. I am of the conviction that we are not as parents just supposed to allow our kids to grow up and hope they turn out okay. We need to have a vision of how it is that we desire for them to turn out, the values we want them to have and the convictions and the the lifestyle and the work ethic and all the things that we desire to see in our children. We've got to work with vision we don't we can't just sit back and hope that it happens and so when you have vision it helps you prioritize your values with clear vision you can begin to weed the things out of your life that stand in the way of you achieving the thing that is the most important or matters the most to you people without clear vision are easily distracted they drift from one activity one pleasure one relationship one church to another back and forth No compass. And they end up making foolish decisions that rob them of their dreams. But when you get a vision, when you get focus, when you get determination, all of a sudden it helps you make your decisions. It helps you establish your priorities. It helps you establish your values. Amen. Vision gives you a reason to wake up in the morning. Vision causes you to realize I am an important link between the current reality, the way things are today, and the future the way things ought to be. If it's to be, it's up to me. If it's going to happen, I've got to step up and do what God is calling me to be. It gives your life purpose. Amen. That purpose gives you the momentum to break through the barriers because nobody said a vision of any significance is going to be easy. In fact, I can guarantee you it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a challenge. But vision makes you that important link that I mentioned. And so I want to deviate here a little bit because it's important for people of God to have a God-ordained vision. Because the average person can dream his own dreams and decide whichever way he wants to go and develop their own picture of how the future should be. But all of that changed when you and I met at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because from that point forward, we were no longer our own, but we were bought with a price. And I want to tell you today that honoring God involves discovering His picture of what your life could be and should be in the future. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Let me look it up here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says something about our relationship with God. It says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are God's masterpiece. We were created in Jesus Christ to go in the direction of good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. 
check this out. When it says we are God's workmanship, it says basically that we are the product of God's vision. God looked at the way you were, and he said, that's not the way it ought to stay. That's not the way it should be. That's not the way it could be. But when we gave our life to him and began to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, we became a part of God's vision. Amen. Isn't that amazing? You are a part of God's vision. Amen. The purpose that he has, and he's had it for a long time. Amen. God's vision is still being fulfilled in you and in me. So God has a vision for your life. The God of the universe has something in mind for me and you to do. We are to do the good works that he had planned for us before the earth began. God has a vision for your life. You got it right now. God has a vision. So as believers, we lose the right to take our talents, abilities, experience, opportunities, and education and run in the direction of our choice. When we gave our lives to the Lord, we decided that we were going to follow after him and let him uh, determine the priorities. What could be more fulfilling, after all, than discovering God's purpose for your life? You can earn as much money as you want to, climb the, the corporate ladder, but you cannot wring enough life or meaning out of secular accomplishments to satisfy your soul. The only thing that satisfies your soul is finding your purpose in Jesus Christ. You have to discover and participate in God's multifaceted vision for your life, for your family, for your ministry. This coming Wednesday night, I'm going to continue speaking on the power of personal vision and how to determine what's important and how to begin to pursue what's important in your life in terms of vision. But right now I want to talk about Life Church for a few minutes. Life Church just so happens to be the most important thing I am a part of outside of my family. Let me say that again. Life Church just happens to be the most important thing that I am involved with or a part of outside of my family. Amen. And I become attached to my God-given vision through my local church family. And uh, I want to tell you that uh, I believe God has given a vision. And when I see culture in 2011 the way that it is, in the United States of America, godless and empty. When I see people, people who are called Christians, who are religious, but they're not spiritual, and they don't understand the power of a relationship with God. When I see people who may be spiritually curious, but they have no truth, it causes me to realize that this church is here for a purpose. When I see people in this world whose value system has been shaped by this culture and shaped by this world, and their value system is robbing them of joy and robbing them of fulfillment because they have allowed their priorities and their values to be dictated by the people around them and the culture that they live in, it causes me to realize life church is supposed to be here and we're supposed to make a difference in this world. We have an enormous purpose. When I look at the great commission of Jesus Christ, where he told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to baptize people and to make 
them disciples or teach them to obey the commandments and the teachings of Jesus Christ, it causes me to realize today that we have an enormous and an important purpose uh, that we are a part of. See, particularly those that are younger, maybe those that are obtuse, don't recognize what's happening in America today. But our culture is shifting in the United States of America. In fact, sociologists agree that we are quickly becoming what's called a post-Christian nation. Europe was a continent filled with Christian-dominated nations. All you have to do is get on a train, a high-speed train, fly through the communities in France. Every community in France has an enormous, beautiful, significant, tall church structure right in the middle of the community that used to be the center of the community, and now it's just a tourist attraction for people to come and take pictures. This is the fact. And sociologists let us know that this current generation of young people are being raised in a culture that is rejecting the, 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 the uh, principles of Scripture. Amen. And we are following the pathway about 20 years behind Europe. Uh, we are quickly becoming a post-Christian nation. And I want to tell you today, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed now in the media, now in the mainstream media, even uh, uh, among uh, uh, people, that uh, biblical values are now portrayed as the values of people who are uninformed or unenlightened or, or cartoonishly backward. I'm telling you today that the culture that we live in used to be friendly to Christian values, but we live in a culture that's becoming more and more hostile to Christian values. That's why our purpose and our mission is very clear in this world. We're not to imitate this world. We're not to follow this world. We're not to go after the direction of this world, but we are to stand up as a church. Because this godless culture with its agenda is producing a nation in the United States of America of people who have been hurt by divorce and broken families and sexual abuse and physical abuse, producing gender confusion, drug addiction, alcoholism, emptiness, and the list goes on and on and on. This is the culture. This is what culture is giving us today. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Broken people because of this world. And because of this culture. And so the church's vision is to create a profoundly distinct biblical alternative to this world's normal. Let me say that again. The church's purpose is to provide a city within the city with profoundly distinct values that is so distinct from the normal that we're considered weird because of our values. Come on, someone. And when people see the church, they don't just see another club to come hang out in. They don't see another group of people that share their values, but they see people whose values are distinctively different. But when they get around us a little bit, they start to get thirsty because we're salt in the earth. We're a little bit different, amen. In fact, the worse the world gets, the more different that the church ought to be and will be. The vision or the purpose of life church is to create this distinct biblical alternative to this world's normal. I'm going to tell you today not to be harsh or judgmental, but to be truthful. Popular Christianity has become so enamored with acceptance of the world 
and blending in with the world that they're almost unredeemable. Now, I'm going to tell you what Life Church's purpose is. It's not to go out and find religious people, but we want to reach out to people who are broken. I've told you before, <laughs> this is some, something God's put in my spirit that this church is going to be built on lives that have been changed. Built <laughs> on people that used to be addicted and people that used to be broken and people that came out of lifestyles that are contradictory to the biblical lifestyle, but their life has been changed. Come on, someone. This church in this city, in this community, in this area is going to be built on lives that have been changed. And I shared on Wednesday night, and we will uh, share with you the, the a video of the message that had an impact on my wife and I, that Life Church is to be guardian of lost causes. Those that have been beaten up and broken by the thief. Destroyed like the, like the, the, the traveler. The good Samaritan came along, bound him up, poured oil. The religious community walked on by because this man's broken. He's a lost cause. Come on. But the good Samaritan never passes by those that have been ravaged by society. He wants to pour in the oil, pour in the wine, bind up the wounds, and do what only he can do. But he's looking for partners that will be guardians of the lost cause because the Samaritan had to go on a journey and he had to drop off this person with an innkeeper. In Life Church, we want to be the innkeeper that's not too good or too sophisticated to care for and love lost causes. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to share with you today and uh, you can see some of these points on the projection screen so that you can keep track of what's happening in 2012. Through prayer, uh, through a time of refreshing when my wife and I were able to take a vacation, we came back after having been prayerful, seeking to hear from God, reading, preparing, studying. And then with some of the strategic leaders talking together, I believe God has given us some clear direction for some initiatives in the new year that I believe God is ready to take us into as a church. The first thing I want to share with you uh, has to do with our church building because uh, this is a, a significant issue for us. In fact, it's become clear to me that our, our, in order for us to go forward with the vision, something has to change with our church building uh, because it's very, very difficult to maintain a passion for evangelism and reaching the lost when you come to church and can't find a seat. Uh, and uh, we have some seats today, uh, but uh, the problem is um, those that study churches say that once a church's building gets to 80% capacity, it stops growing, period. We're already defying that because we've been averaging about 150 to 160, and we have 142 chairs, so that's like 120%, 115%, I think it is. So we're already defying that, but we have got to make a change. And so uh, many of you were a part of our Time to Build, uh, the stewardship campaign. And uh, as a result of that and the monies that were raised by uh, the people even before we came here, the church has uh, uh, close to $400,000 in cash reserves for a building project. But when uh, uh, we have been working with lending institutions trying to get approved for a loan for the remainder of what it would cost to build the project which would make our building 
our building four times the size that it is now, four times the size that it is now. And a large foyer, just be very uh, accommodating to the needs of the church. Um, they, uh, we have not had success securing a loan. And part of this has to do with uh, the recent uh, collapse of uh, uh, the things that have transpired in the uh, financial industry. Um, but uh, the point is, is we would have to borrow $1 million to finish the project. And uh, so this is, Sarah, if you can uh, bring these points down. Uh, we, we would have to borrow this, and that would uh, bring us to the point of, uh, with a $1 million loan, payments of over $6,000 a month. And uh, I talked to my spiritual elders, my father, my father-in-law, both of them who successfully built church buildings, and they don't have peace about our church going in debt this deeply. Uh, and, and uh, strapping on that much of a financial burden. And so I want to share with you today that uh, with uh, an, an inability at this point, I, I'm not saying that we could not eventually find a bank because uh, my friend, Brother Zuniga, built a church building with Zion Church, builder, church Builders, just dedicated it a few weeks ago, and uh, he got turned down by 21 banks and finally got his loan with the 22nd bank. So I'm not saying that it is impossible, uh, but at this point, we've been unsuccessful. So the point is we've got to do something. And so there are three options that, uh, uh, that we are, have talked with the church board about and we're considering, and I want to share them with you and let you know where we are. Each of these options would require us bringing it to the church for ratification, especially uh, the uh, first two but the first option number one would be to sell the parsonage the uh, uh, house that's over on Mountain View Avenue that uh, my wife and I have lived in this parsonage would put us in a position to a, a very strong cash position where we would only be borrowing maybe less than five hundred thousand dollars rather than a million dollars and uh, so that would uh, um, at six percent that would bring uh, put us with a loan that's probably below $3,000. So it's significantly different, much more manageable. My elders, spiritual elders, said they would be more comfortable with the church in that kind of debt as opposed to what we had talked about before. Uh, and, of course, there are some considerations. This is something I never even wanted to consider. I didn't want to liquidate anything. Uh, but there are some things that uh, we would have to carefully consider if we took this approach. But... This approach, as you can see, would allow us to begin the project um, immediately. Uh, to to begin, um, well, actually, God already started our project. I don't know if any of you saw, but two huge trees were uprooted this last week. We would have had to brought. The, I think we even budgeted for the removal of those trees, and well, it's done. Thank you, Lord, for those savings. Amen. Now, go ahead and blow the church over, but. Wait till we're out of here and let us make sure we have the insurance premium paid up. And but this is um, uh, one of the possibilities. My wife and I have talked at length about it, and um, uh, we feel we would feel personally a peace about going forward with this. It would create a little upheaval in our lives. But um, my wife said maybe maybe it was God's will those many years ago when they were able to secure that property for much less than it's worth today. 
so that in 2012 we could sell it and be able to build the church building that's going to take this church to the next level. Are you listening to me? Going to enable, it's not going to take us there. It's going to enable us to go there. God's going to be the one that takes us there. But it's going to be the, the facilitator. A, a second approach is to lease out our current church building, the building we have services in now, lease that out to another church, take the income from that, and probably have to maybe perhaps add some to it in order for us to lease a larger place. Because I'm telling you, the dynamic's getting ready to change in this church. The whole dynamic is getting ready to change as we move forward. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, I'm going to introduce you in a little bit to uh, uh, Brother Ulysses. And uh, there is a potential opportunity in Monrovia where we could have services for a lot less than what I was fearful that we would have to pay. God may be just laying things in place right there for whether we do number two or number one. Even if we do number one, if we tear the church building down, we've got to have places for services for an entire year. So uh, this is very interesting. Uh, but uh, number three... Um, and we had discussion about this, is the option of beginning to offer two services on Sunday morning. These would uh, be identical services. So uh, the, the, the point is it would, it, people would begin to choose whether they would come to the first or the second one. A lot of churches do this. It uh, provides more opportunities for people whose schedules are impacted by work or whatever on Sunday. And... Uh, uh, so they would be back-to-back -back services. Life Kids would only be offered in the second service, and so the Life Kids staff would come to the first service uh, to be to receive the ministry, and then they would serve in the second service. And uh, uh, if if uh, we, uh, in other words, if number one and two doesn't feel amenable, we're we're already going to put a timetable to begin offering two services on Sunday, beginning Easter of 2012. So this is a, a an option that uh, is going to be more work for. Uh, some of the people who are involved in the ministry, uh, but uh, I, I just I just believe this may be the way that we have to go. But I want to tell you something's getting ready to change. Okay, <laughs> and uh, so uh, for instance, uh, um, number one, if uh, we're doing some research now on values and so forth, uh, if if the church board decides to recommend that, we would bring that to the church membership in a, in a business meeting pretty quickly, probably in January, and say, are we comfortable with going forward with this option? And uh, uh, then if the church is comfortable with that, then we're going to start phase two of the building project right then, even before the, the, the thing is sold, because we know we're in a comfortable position going forward. But a church of this size, borrowing a million dollars, not necessarily a comfortable position. That's why Pastor Brown's been holding off. I know you guys are chomping at the bit. As much as you are, I'm chomping at the bit more. But I'm, I, I want to show forbearance. I want to show wisdom. And I'm following my spiritual leadership. All right, so this is uh, uh, a little bit about where we are on the church building, but it's an exciting time because something's getting ready to change. I told Sister Brown she was putting up some Christmas decorations. I said, I pray, let's agree together and shake hands that this will be the very last year you have to put up decorations in this church building. Amen. Anybody agree with that? Anybody like that idea? Okay, secondly, I want to sh share with you about life groups in the year of 2012. The first thing that's happened is we have put together an executive team. Uh, Brother Donnie and myself, with the help of Sister Kathy, ha have been carrying the majority of the load. And because of this, um, you know, uh, Sister Kathy's 
attention. My attention is divided. Brother Donnie works a full-time job. Things weren't executed with as much excellence as we desired for them to be. And, uh, but we put together an executive team that I am really, really excited about. Brother Donnie is going to continue. Brother Donnie Sanchez will continue to be the coordinator of life groups. And uh, he will receive and administrate. He's already received. They're already working hard. An administrative assistant, uh, Sister Maria Medina. Sister Maria, wave at everybody. She is, she is unbelievable, unbelievably adept at uh, administrative uh, and keeping things on track. So things are going to flow more smoothly. And uh, Brother Rudy Castro is uh, going to work as a promotions for our life groups ministry, making sure you're informed and everything's going to happen with great excellence. And we're excited about that. Uh, probably the most excited person is Brother Donnie Sanchez, though. Now, we're going to have three exciting semesters in the year of 2012. And uh, I want to share with you the vision that the, the committee came up with for the three semesters of life groups. And these will be on the calendar. The first one begins the 1st of February. The second one begins the 1st of June. And the third one will begin the 1st of October and go from the 1st of October to Thanksgiving. So here's the plan. The first trimester, which they're working feverishly on right now, begins the 1st of February. And it's going to be a little different. We're going to do life groups that are made up of men and women in this first semester. So rather than family groups or um, uh, groups in a certain area, we're going to have men groups and lady groups and single men and single ladies. And we're going to uh, go through a series that has to do with the battle for purity, more specifically sexual purity. And uh, this is a battle that uh, is not unique. It's ubiquitous among the human family. Uh, that means it's present everywhere for those non-English majors. This is a battle that we all fight, and this material is sensational. And it will benefit you and bless you. And some of you have strongholds of the enemy that are about to fall down in the, year of, in the month of February, in Jesus' name. And uh, there's going to be accountability among the brothers, so I'm really, really excited about this one. And then the second semester is, is going to be, it, 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 I'm really pumped about the second semester. It's going to be totally different something called affinity groups. We're going to do a semester of life groups. Of course, we're going to have seasons between the life groups of revival. But uh, uh, the second, uh, second trimester are going to be affinity groups. It's going to be where the groups will have a brief 15-minute Bible study prayer time together. But then the bulk of the time together, and it's going to really enable evangelism, is some common interest. For example, someone may be an excellent cook and during their affinity group, they're going to get together and they're going to teach people how to cook good recipes and how to make great food. So they'll be talking about things that they're interested in, bring their friends to the group, but then they'll get together at the end and have a Bible study and a time of prayer together. So it's basically limitless, and we're going to be uh, giving you guys opportunities to, uh, 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 to throw out ideas. Of maybe someone wants to do one on end-time prophecy. Maybe someone wants to do one on uh, financial freedom. There's going to be all of these options and opportunities, and uh, so we're going to expand the base of those that might be interested in these groups. And the third trimester 
uh, will be a, a campaign similar to 40 Days of Purpose, and uh, that's the one that will happen in October. And, uh, and then one other point that I wanted to share with you is we are also going to offer on the first and the second semester new believers groups. One of them, the first one that starts in February, is going to be a Bible study called Search for Truth. And a lot of you have been through Search for Truth. It's about a foundation of basic biblical doctrine to help people understand what the Bible means and what are all these stories in the Old Testament, what relevance do they have to my life today. Basic Bible study is going to be awesome. It's going to be at my home. And, uh, and then the second semester, we're going to do one called Forward to be continued about discipleship. So that's uh, our vision for life groups. Anybody feel excited about that? I'm really excited <laughs> about this coming semester and the effectiveness of the team. Now I want to share with you uh, the next point being uh, sermon series. In order to illustrate this point, um, I, I, here's, here's the best way I can illustrate the significance of this right here. The Bible says true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth, right? So there's a balance between the moving of the spirit and the solidness of teaching, doctrine. So uh, that's what Jesus said. Uh, she said, should we worship on the mountain or do we have to worship in Jerusalem? Jesus said the timing's coming when it doesn't matter where you worship, but it matters that you worship in spirit and in truth. And so I believe a church that's moving forward has to have a balance of spirit and truth. Move of the spirit, demonstration of the Holy Ghost, doctrinal teaching, foundational teaching, teaching you to be a better Christian. So here, here's the way I illustrate it. I, who, who, who do you think is the fastest runner in this building? Who, who do you think is, is the fat? Brother David. No, uh, Chris Brueggemann. Brother Steele. Jeffrey. I don't know who it is, but I could beat, uh, yeah, Brother Juan says he is. But I can beat any one of them in a foot race if I get to use both legs and they only get to use one. Can you imagine, Jeff? I'm going to beat you. Well, the point is, spirit and truth gives us a back and forth cadence to cover more territory and go more quickly than a church that's just all move of the spirit, prophecy, and, and kind of floats into weirdness after a while. Or a church that's only about practical living, practical. There has got to be a move of the spirit followed up by some solid teaching, by move of the spirit, by solid teaching. And so, in the year of 2012, I felt God has inspired and directed for us Obviously, we're going to follow the Spirit, whatever happens. But we're going to have some sermon series that are going to be uh, five weeks. And they're going to happen the final five weeks of a semester of life groups. And then when the semester of life groups comes to an end, and the sermon series comes to an end, we're going to start a revival with an evangelist that operates in the gifts of the Spirit. Like a brother, how many enjoyed Brother Mark Morgan that we had earlier this year? Brother Mark Morgan, Brother Greg Godwin, Brother Jason Sisko are some of the ones that I'm talking to. Powerfully, mightily used people of God that operate in the gifts of the Spirit and will take us to help us go to the next level. So we're going to have these sermon series. The first one we're going to do starting the 1st of March is called Issues of the Heart. And it's going to focus on four things that are fundamental problems that are deep-rooted. And as human beings, we try to control 
our behavior, but we never deal with the issue in the heart. So we're going to talk about that. It's, it's, it's an amazing set of material. I'm excited about it, but it's going to lead to a Holy Ghost outpouring. Come on, someone. Do you, do you believe the word? It's going to lead to a Holy Ghost outpouring. So when Life Group comes to an end, we're going to go into revival. It may be Sunday Tuesday and Wednesday, it may be Sunday, Monday and Wednesday, but we're going to be in revival two weeks, and then if it keeps going, we'll go three weeks, if it keeps going, we'll go four weeks, if it keeps going and the money keeps flowing, we'll go five weeks, amen. So, uh, what, what did I do with my deal? Okay, so uh, uh, th this is something, that, and then uh, uh, the second one that we're going to do is uh, one called Strange or Weird, I haven't decided yet, but it's kind of along the theme of the, the narrow path versus the wide path. And how our values as Christians are going to appear weird to the world, okay, or unusual. So we're going to do one on that. And then uh, I felt in prayer to do a sermon series on spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, how to engage in spiritual warfare. So that's uh, some of the uh, 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 preaching-themed things. And what we're going to do is have uh, a design, cards that you can hand out to your friends once we start a new series. We'll be promoting it on the New Church website. And uh, so that's what's happening. All right. Next, 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 next. All right, this is, this is the part. I mean, all of it's got me so excited. I'm about to go crazy here. Because I've heard from God, all right? We've heard from God. All right, the next one is the assimilation plan. The assimilation plan. Because I believe God wants our church to begin to grow more rapidly in number. And then obviously people growing spiritually as well. We are... Uh, have worked together to come up with an assimilation plan to improve our church's ability to help people come from being a visitor to being a member of the church. Uh, we have been kind of spotty in this area, and like people come to church, and they've been coming for a few months, and they're like, uh, how do I become a member here? And I'm like, good question. You want to be a member? Yeah. Great. Well, the deal is they shouldn't have to come and ask somebody. So the assimilation process, let me just briefly lay it out to you. And we're working on this. We've been having meetings. There is a seven-minute team. The seven-minute team, uh, and the reason for the seven-minute team is people that visit our church a lot of times decide whether they like the church and they're going to come back within the first seven minutes. So they don't even get to hear me preach before they decide if they're going to come back or not. They don't even get to hear anybody sing. They don't even get to feel the Holy Ghost. When they walk in here, they're going to observe certain things. And they're going to decide, is this the place for me? Is this not the place for me? So our job is when someone walks through the door is to see that guest as a gift from God and do our very best with that person. Amen? And so the seven-minute team, their responsibility is to greet and treat and direct and seat. The new thing that's going to happen, this is going to kick into effect the first Sunday of February. We're working towards it, and we're going to have a planning thing with all the ushers all the greet staff and the food service staff uh, to all together in one meeting on the 25th of January. Yes, 25th of January. And uh, so uh, there will be coffee and pastries served for all of our guests when they come through the door. Uh, we're going to set up parking for our guests right here next to the church. And uh, so that, uh, and, and there's going to be signage for that out on the road, guest parking, for our guests to come in and uh, have the best of the parking. And uh, then we're going to meet them out on the steps instead of letting them walk in through the door before we meet them. There's going to be uh, pastries and refreshments out there. So the seven-minute team 
uh, is one part of it. And then we have something new called the follow-through team. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of things I could say about this, but I've got to keep rolling. The follow-through team uh, is, man, for the sake of time, I'm going to have to go through this and, and share the details later. Contact cards, the way we're going to be able to connect with these people, it's going to change. It's going to affect all of us, but it's going to be for the good. Uh, follow-through plan will be uh, that uh, our first-time guests get a gift at the back uh, before they leave. And they also receive an email within uh, 36 hours. They get a letter within 96 hours. And in the letter is going to be a gift, a $5 Starbucks card. So if you're a first-time guest today, you came just a little too early. <laughs> and a second-time guest will also receive a gift in the mail, a $5 card to Subway. It's an investment. It's meeting needs for people right off the bat, okay? And uh, so, um, uh, so all of this is uh, the follow-through plan is going to be coordinated by Sister Shauna and uh, Shauna Jimenez, and uh, we're excited about that. And uh, then also at the back, when people leave, when they get their gifts, there's also going to be a table for what we call first serve, uh, first serve table. Here's the deal. If you want people to get connected to your church, they got to get relationships and responsibility. That makes the church sticky, and they're going to stick around. If they get some friends... And if they get a job or a responsibility, something, some way to serve. And so we have certain areas of the church where people can start serving immediately, even if they're not a member of the church, when they first walk through the doors. And that's what we want uh, uh, Brother uh, Rick Perez is going to help us as the first serve coordinator. Everybody that walks through the doors of the church, when they get back there, they're going to receive a brochure, and he's going to say, hey, would you like to serve God? And they'll be like, sure. <laughs> and so it's a... It's a first start, so we're excited about that. And then uh, the uh, new to life class, we're going to have those systematically right before the new semester of life groups begin, the three trimesters of life groups. And it's going to be on a Saturday, a three-hour class, and there'll be three classes offered per year. And I uh, just talked to uh, uh, Sister Anna uh, Viscaino about uh, helping coordinate that, so that's going to be exciting. It's going to happen. It's going to be well done. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, next slide. Next slide, next slide, next slide. All right, um, just FYI, uh, we're not going to be doing a bunch of fundraising in 2012 unless it's associated with the church building. So uh, as far as the church doing fundraisers, now I'm not, uh, if, if somebody needs to do something selling candy bars or whatever, that's not what I'm talking about. That, that's still going to happen. But as far as church-wide fundraisers, there's only going to be two. Two. And uh, the first one, will be earlier in the year, and uh, it will be uh, associated with getting our children and young people help and going to camp. So we're going to have one big significant, probably be a bake sale and car wash type thing. So we want to put all of our energy into just this one, 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 nothing else. And uh, then the second one is uh, going to be a missions fundraiser, and uh, this will include, this will be our walkathon that we do in the fall. We're going to do it up big and push it hard. It's going to be one of only two fundraisers that we do the whole year. But everything that's raised, there's going to be a pie. Not a literal pie, but like a pie graph pie. 
and uh, there'll be a, a percentage that goes to She's for Christ, a percentage that goes to Christmas for Christ, a percentage that goes to Save Our Children, a percentage that goes to Mother's Memorial, a percentage that goes to SoCal Camp Meeting, and a percentage that goes to Benevolence of meeting the needs of people who have a need when they come to our church. So it's going to be divided up into a pie. So hopefully our goal, we want to raise at least $5,000 in the second one. So it's going to be a big deal. Um, and so it's going to cut out, you know, trying to manage a bunch of fundraisers. Those are the only two, okay? Everybody say praise the Lord. Life Kids. Life Kids. We want to do a new class for uh, the middle school. And uh, we also want to improve the worship and uh, have the worship be uh, powerful for the young people. For the sake of time, I'm going to just clip through these real quick. And then uh, the music. Uh, one change that's going to happen for the music in 2012 is that we are going to have a choir season. Rather than just kind of indeterminate, when's the choir going to sing? I don't know, you know. It's going to be, it'll start in October. The choir season will start in October, and it will finish at Easter. Is that correct? Nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. From October, when school starts back up, to Easter will be the choir season. The choir will sing once a month during that season, and then they'll have the summer off. And when the season begins, then there'll be uh, essentially like everybody that's interested will come to a meeting, and everything will be explained. So that's the new thing with the music department. This is a vision for Life Church in 2012. Amen. And then... Uh, Outreach, um, we, uh, uh, we're going to continue to do things like you heard about today, the blanket drive, ministering to the needs of those that are hurting, trying to reach out to lost people. You'll hear more details about that later. Uh, the last thing that, that I want to talk about is the student ministry or youth ministry. And um, uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to share with you uh, that uh, a few Several weeks ago, a few months ago now, uh, Brother Chris and Sister Nora felt to go do ministry outreach at the Monrovia during the street fair, and they found a bunch of young people out at the park. And while they were there, they asked permission for us to set up and, and do outreach there, and we were invited with open arms to come do that. And uh, so there were some others in the church that went and set up and uh, did uh, um, pastries and uh, um, did ministry out there. And while they were out there, they met someone named Ulysses Gutierrez. And uh, some of you have met Ulysses. Many of you have not yet met Ulysses. But uh, this is a man who God has done a work in his life, delivered him from uh, a background of drug addiction and gang activity, gang leadership. And uh, he is highly connected with a lot of the people still today that are involved with that, but God set him up to be a minister in the city of Monrovia. And there's some amazing things that are happening. Brother Ulysses, come here. I, I want to introduce you to Brother Ulysses, and I wanted him to share a little bit of some of the doors that God has opened for him in uh, the city of Monrovia and how God has used him. And then I'm going to share with you how Life Church is getting ready to walk through an open door. Amen. Thank you. Wow, praise God. Um, I just want to begin by thanking God for this opportunity. Um, I thank God that uh, Brother Chris and his wife were obedient uh, to the uh, leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I really, really, really do. Um, uh, in 2003, I woke up from a, from a coma. Um, I was under the influence of uh, crystal methamphetamine, and I was pretty tired of living the same lifestyle. So I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord 
definitely listened. According to Psalm 34, 4, the Lord will hear, but not only will he hear, but he will also deliver. And then I went into a ministry for a year called Teen Challenge International and spent my time there. And I was introduced to Jeremiah 29, 11, which is the verse that most of you already probably already know, which is for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and to give you a future, amen. But there's a verse right after that that says that we, if, when you come to me and when you pray to me, I will answer, amen. So I see the, I totally see the, 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 the similarity between that and Psalm 34, 4, that when you cry out to God, he's going to answer. After rehab, I came back home. I come from a, my, a PK, pastor's son. Um, and I said to my parents, you know what, I am tired of living the same lifestyle. I believe God has called me and I believe that God has a plan. I started working on a project at the Bible Institute. I was there for two years. And the project was to go out into my community and to do outreach, out-of-the-box outreach, something new, something different, something led of the Spirit. When the semester was over, I scored an A, A++, whatever, and then I said to my instructor, I said, hey, I said, well, I'm done with the class, and there's like three, four, five young people that are involved in gangs, and now they want me to continue to meet with them at the park. What am I supposed to do? And he said, go on your knees and cry out to God. And I began to do that, and you know, when I was in the Bible Institute as a good Pentecostal, I was just like, you know what, I want to go to the nations and have my own jet and slain people in the spirit and all that good stuff. So when the Lord began to show me youth, I was like, this is not my vision. This cannot be for me because I'm going to the nations, you know, and I'm going to have a staff of about 100 people. But every time I would bow my knee, that's not what God was showing me. What God began to show me uh, that I, I would begin to see young men in, vi in a vision. And as young men, I would, get, I would begin to see them in a very dark, dark place. And as they opened their mouth... I would begin just to hear that they were crying out to God as it, the psalmist says in Psalm 34, 4. And God says, I am getting ready to answer the cries of the young people. So I was, I looked at myself and I said, Lord, well, you know my background and my affiliations, et cetera, what to do. And I just began to just uh, follow his word and began to trust him. And we began with a, a, uh, uh, an outreach uh, right there at Library Park, which just doesn't even look like what it used to be because it just went through a, I don't know, $35 million development, et cetera. And um, then the city began, actually one of the young people began to just experience some real transformation in his life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, his school began to say, well, you're not having your pants down to here and they're not as baggy as they used to and you're wearing a backpack and you have your homework and you're not tagging anymore. What is it? And they said, well, there's this man that's just starting to meet with us, etc. So the I was called by the school to come into the campus and they wanted to know what I was about. And I began just to say... I, I told my story the way I began to tell it, and I began to tell it as I get interviewed from time to time by the Star News, television, whatever you want to put it, is the same story. When you cry out to God, I'm going to tell you something. He is listening. He's never late. He is always on time. So from there on, uh, it just began to grow, to grow. Uh, it really began, uh, I was still at the Bible Institute, and this really started out of a church. And then uh, one, for, uh, some, for some reason, some reporter ended up there because I personally wouldn't even know how to call a reporter. But she ended up in the midst of one of our Friday night services, and she just began to see the transformation, interviewed people. The story landed in the front of the Pasadena Star News. So by then, the mayor of our community was reading this story. The CEO of the YMCA was reading this story. And they were like, where is this young man? Because we want 
want to know him. Uh, so then I began to just be a part of that group. The YMCA took interest in 2006, became a sponsor. 2007 decided to bring me on board. Uh, 2008 officially started what they've never had in the history of a YMCA, which is an outreach ministry. And the thing that I said then, the thing I'll say now is when you tell me that I cannot pray with young people in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus, and the minute you tell me that I cannot introduce them to the power of the Holy Ghost, and the, telling me, the minute you tell me that I cannot tell them the good of the gospel that it says in John 3.16 that for God so loved that young man that he gave his only begotten son, then I cannot be a part of this anymore. Uh, we have grown. Uh, I began, I received a text message from pastor this morning, so I began just to, to pray in the spirit and I said, Lord, what can I share? What, what is it about this, Father God, that you would want this congregation and this fellowship to know? And um, what he wants you to know is that God is getting ready to take this to the next level. It started, and you're about to be a part of the move, it started in a bench in a library park. Then it was adopted by the community as its citywide youth ministry. Men and women from all denominations coming, putting resources, money on the table, vehicles, whatever we need up until this day. Right now we're getting ready to have one of the biggest Christmas celebrations. There will be Christmas is the message for all of the young people and their families for Wednesday the 21st. One of the best Christmas ever, okay. Uh, and that's the message that God continues to, for us to go back and tell them. Not only will there be Christmas once a year, but there could be Christmas. There could be the life of Christ Jesus in your heart every day of your life. So then from that, it began to be a San Gabriel Valley movement. We got called into schools, etc. And from it being the schools, now we're at the third phase. And I see why God has brought me into this church ministry because now we're going to go countywide. And I think the pastor is going to talk a little bit more about that. But, you know, from the city giving us grant money. They, and then when they give us the money, they say, don't put us as a sponsor. Don't put us on your paperwork because the minute you do that, you can't preach the gospel. And we want you to preach the gospel. We want you to go forth with the power of the Holy Spirit. I have about one or two more minutes. What is it that we do? What does that mean? Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, for I know, for I know. Uh, he, he's not a God that's going to guess. He's not a God that says, well, come into my kingdom and maybe I'll figure it out. No, 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 no. He came uh, to a time in Jeremiah where he needed the assurance woman of God that God said, I know the plans that I have for you. Enough suffering, enough of you not having a vision for a future. No, I know the plan that I have for you. It, it ain't second guessing it. I want you to receive this in your spirit right now. You're going to walk out of this door and you're going to walk the rest of your lifetime knowing this in your spirit beyond your emotions beyond your psyche the God that I serve the God that I welcomed into my life is the God that knows for I know for I know for I I want that to sink into your spirit right now and into the womb of this ministry in the name of Jesus for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And every spirit of doubt that has lingered in your mind, it's coming off right now. This is the message of our outreach ministry that it says, for we know a God that knows. You may be in a crack house. You may be, you may be bound up by homosexuality. You may be bound up, hallelujah. You may be bound up to drug addiction and you may not know the way, but I am decreeing and declaring over this ministry that we are going to become the voice of the God. 
you and not to harm you. In the book of Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 says that it will be revealed. It will be revealed that wisdom. It will be revealed. And we are a nest of that revelation. I speak that into this fellowship. We run programs of rehabilitation, academic development, life coaching, life skills, discipleship. And I could go on and on of the list of the ministry programs that we provide. And all of those are being used to produce young, to produce young men and women filled with the Holy Spirit that are impacting their community. On Wednesday the 21st, we will have a young man that grew up in the church and he sat in the church for years with the spirit of suicide operating in his thoughts. He's only 17. It's a youth pastor at his church. Has got some of the best grades ever. I used to read a Facebook from a former disciple of ours who put on his Facebook. At 2.12 in the morning, he put, I used to li live... I used to leave the club at this time. Today, I am proud to say that by the grace of God at 2.12, I am leaving the UCLA library because I am studying. See, the gospel is more than just saying Christ Jesus loves you. Amen, man, hallelujah, and go out the door. No, we are a ministry that's dedicated 24 hours a day, seven days of the week to walk, empower, and empower young people and their families to become better people. I thank you for this opportunity. I really do. I, um, this isn't something that we do by ourselves. We have a ministry team. Uh, one of my ministry partners is here, Christine Bennett, uh, who's also looking to be a part of this church. But uh, we're ready to work. And I say this to you, Pastor. I, don't, I couldn't even look. I don't know who an elder is, but I say this to you. I say this to your wife. And I'm just going to tell you, as the Lord's ministering to me, I am here to lay at your feet. I am here to lay at your feet. Every resource and everything that the Lord has given us, we are looking for leadership. We are looking for the next move of the Spirit to hit this county. God bless you. Praise God. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. On Wednesday night, they have an event where they have about 75 that come there to uh, receive some of these um, ministry classes, opportunity classes, uh, anger management, so on and so forth. And um, so this is what I felt the Lord directing or prompting us to do. Our young people in this church need to go and serve those young people where they are. We have a service there where um, uh, we're going to put together some kind of a praise band, praise and worship band, to have a worship time, a few words of inspiration. Then they'll break into their classes, and our young people will have discipleship classes there. But my deal is youth ministry is not about entertaining young people. Youth ministry is about introducing them to being a part of something huge, something that's world-changing, something that's going to change people's lives. And, and uh, so I, I am really, really excited about this opportunity. And, uh, um, you know, I don't necessarily have all the time to flesh it out, but there are those of you that feel a burden and a passion for this.
that, that uh, are going to become a part of this ministry and serving. Now, it's not just young people that are there, but some of the, their parents are coming, and there's parenting classes being taught because they know, you know, the kids got messed up because perhaps partially because of bad parenting, and so there are classes to help them. And so uh, the, the uh, um, CEO of the YMCA looked me in the eye and said, we're just here to introduce the idea of the gospel, but we need a church to bridge them to. And uh, so, so anyway, let's just follow God in faith, and, uh, uh, and uh, we're expecting great, great things. And uh, uh, also, I mentioned already about a, uh, a middle school class uh, that we want to do. And um, also, uh, one other point is a, a transition in leadership. We'll share with you more about this in January. Uh, but uh, Brother and Sister Steele have served faithfully as uh, the directors of the youth ministry for almost eight years now. And uh, so many young people and young couples in this church came through the youth ministry under the very diligent uh, ministry of Brother and Sister Steele. And um, he has felt, and I have felt, we prayed about a lot about it, that uh, his ministry is uh, going, ministry and service to the church is going to transition into more of a family ministry focusing on uh, married couples, new married couples, teaching how to raise kids better, how to manage money better, that kind of a ministry. And uh, so um, in, the, in the new year, he will be transitioning out of the leadership of the youth ministry. And um, uh, I, I'm just going to throw this out to you guys, and you guys will hear it f first here. We have some uh, individuals within the church um, that uh, we've been talking to and have agreed to help to serve in areas of leadership. But also, uh, there's an opportunity that's opened up for a, a tremendous, top-notch uh, young couple that uh, many of you have met that uh, have uh, years of ministry experience, but they're still a lot younger than me. Uh, just a dynamic ministry couple that um, are desiring to come be a part of, of our ministry team in, in a role of an assistant. And um, I just feel like that Life Church is about to take that next step and go to the next level. And um, so with, uh, uh, with faith, with this uh, uh, young man and his wife who've been a, a leading youth ministry for the wife for actually longer than the husband, but for a number of years, um, joining our ministry team perhaps in February. And part of this is going to require that we as a church are ready to go forward. And that means, you know what that means? How does that reflect? That reflects in consistency in tithing and consistency in giving offerings. And we'll explain more about this. I don't have time right now, but we're going to have to commit together. And if you guys are ready to go forward, I'm ready to go forward. And I know that there's a good core of people in Life Church that are consistent in tithes and offerings. If we all get on board, it's a done deal. We're going forward to the next level. We're going to start staffing the church for the next level. And uh, we're excited about God's doing. Anybody excited about what God is doing? <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to stand together with me right now. Um, as I mentioned, the very last thing uh, on the PowerPoint, the very last point, uh, has to do with uh, prayer. And... Um, this is uh, one thing that has been weighing heavily in my spirit. You, you hear from my preaching and, and the teaching that this is something that God has, a direction that God has moved me forcibly in this last year. Um, and I've prayerfully been seeking how to 
move the church with us into what God is doing in terms of our church's prayer environment, our church's prayer culture. Because we've said it before, maybe it's a cliche, but I think it, it bears repeating, is that Life Church, we move forward on our knees. And um, one concern that I have is I want to be a part, I want my children to be raised in a church that has a powerful culture of prayer. And, um, you know, we have our personal prayer time and uh, we uh, teach and preach and encourage about becoming faithful with your personal prayer time in the morning. But I feel that it's extremely important for a church to have a corporate prayer culture. And uh, there are churches that I've been a part of that are powerful churches that have actual literal miracles happen on a regular basis. But those kinds of churches are not churches that just have good music and good preaching and good energy or good vibe. Those are churches that have a powerful culture of prayer. And you can taste it in the atmosphere. When you walk into the building, you can sniff it into your lungs. You can sense that this is a place of powerful, committed prayer. And that's one thing that's been missing from Life Church in the last few years. And uh, not that people aren't praying. I know that there are people that are committed to prayer. But it is that corporate culture of focused and united prayer. And we have uh, done different things this year in an effort, uh, offering different prayer times, Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday morning, and then those, uh, some Friday night prayer services. Here's the deal. Here's what I feel God directing me to do as pastor. This is what I feel. People can pray anytime that they want to. The church doors are open anytime. If people want to get together and pray, that's fine. But I want us to have a consistent, weekly, corporate time of prayer where the church family comes together and just prays. And our kids may come and crawl around under the pews. I remember being a child coming to prayer meeting and hearing my mom and dad pray. Hearing the other people of God pray taught me about the importance of prayer. And I feel in my spirit, I really feel this is something that if if we're going to go forward as a church, this has to become a priority. And I know perhaps in in the past it's been be there on Sunday. If you can, make it on Wednesday. If you have absolutely nothing going on and you just so happen to wake up feeling like, man, I need to pray today, then come to prayer. That's going to change. For our leaders, for the membership of this church, we want to have one time per week of corporate focused prayer where if you're at all able to come together and you start even making it such a priority that you start adjusting your schedule around it as time passes and saying, I'm going to be there. We're not going to come, expect you to come for three or four hours, although you can continue praying if you want to. It'll be for an hour. And uh, prayerfully, we've thought about it. And um, uh, the decision that we've made, we're going to uh, begin this uh, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in the new year, is to have one day, one evening of focused prayer per week. And we said, when do we have it? Monday night? da 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 When should we have it? We decided that logistically, strategically, the best time to have it 
is on Thursday evening because there's a number of people who come from a good distance for praise team practice and or choir practice on Thursday and they're already here and so Thursday at 8 o'clock from 8 to 9 o'clock in the new year we want to begin to build a culture of consistent everybody come it's prayer meeting night and there's going to be powerful moves of God there, there's going to be people who are delivered right in the middle of a prayer meeting it, it's not that it's Thursday night it could be Saturday night it could be Monday night but what I'm feeling is if there's a sense of unity around this concept is that we take Monday night and we sanctify it as a family night and we don't schedule things on Monday night that's for you to be with your family and then that Thursday night would be a time when we would gather together and just have hardcore get down to it pray pray and believe for miracles believe for good things because I'm sorry but I grew up in a church had prayer meeting every week and so I think if we're going to go forward we got to have those kind of root systems we've got to have that kind of priority and, and I feel God prompting me and directing me as a pastor to hold leaders accountable to this hold you accountable for your uh, financial support of the church going forward because we, we got to go forward we can't be patting each other on the back and smiling laffy taffy we've got to do this for real the purpose is worth it amen the vision is clear and God's going to do great things I want you to join hands with somebody around you right now because we're going to pray for life church this is the most important thing you're a part of besides your family the family of God hallelujah in the name of Jesus if you're not a member of life church yet we would love for you to come to our membership class. It's going to be in January, uh, the, the end of January. It'll be promoted throughout January. But right now, I want you to join hands and pray with somebody right now because we're going to pray for the body of Christ. If you're not a part of this church, pray for us if you want to or pray for the overall body of Christ. But let's pray right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, in your precious and powerful name, we pray right now, Lord God, for the vision that you have put in our spirit, for the things, Jesus, that we believe you're desiring to do in us and through us. Jesus, as a church, we're ready to move to that next level, to take that step of faith, Lord God, to use wisdom, but also to have courage, Jesus, to follow after, Lord God, the vision that you put in our spirit. Thank you for godly men and women who have a mind to work. Thank you, Jesus, for those that have the face of the lion the face of the eagle, the face of the ox, and the face of the man. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for men and women that you have equipped and anointed, Lord Jesus, with power, Lord God, to do great things through their lives. And Jesus, we pray for your anointing and your direction upon this church. God, I pray for our youth ministry. I pray for our children's ministry, our greatest resource, young people and children. Let us be more effective every year, Lord God more effective, Jesus, at creating disciples, kingdom workers, people that are passionate, people that are ready to commit themselves to the service of the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we pray for your anointing. Hallelujah. Why don't we raise our hands now in a sign of surrender to the Lord. Jesus, I'm ready for your will to be done in my life. 
I'm ready for you to work in my heart. I'm ready for you to work in my family, Lord Jesus. Let your will be done, Lord God. Let your glory be accomplished in my life, Jesus. I love you more than anything in this world, Lord God. And my heart's desire, when you get right down to the core of my heart, my heart's desire is to work for you, is to serve you, and to make a difference for the kingdom of God in somebody's life, Jesus. Let vision be in my spirit. Let vision be in my heart, Lord God. Speak through me, Lord Jesus. Speak through Life Church, Lord God. Let there be many conversions, many water baptisms. Let people be filled with the Holy Ghost right and left in the year of 2012. Let us become a stronger church, Lord God. Let us become a more a mature church. Let us become a more impassioned church. I pray in the name of Jesus as we move forward in faith. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Hallelujah. If anybody feels faith in your spirit right now, I want you to put your hands together. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, I pray for this body as we leave here today and go about our busy schedules. Let your anointing be upon us. God, I'm asking, let me be the first partaker and let us be a people of prayer, people that are serious about our commitment with you and our relationship and walk with you. Let us be anointed for the great purpose and the great calling. Let us not be fearful. Let us be courageous, Jesus. Let your anointing be upon us, Lord God. Order our steps. Doors, Lord Jesus, that we are to walk through, open them up. Doors, Lord Jesus, that are forbidden, close them in our face. We want to walk, Lord Jesus, as you guide and order and direct us. Let us ever be tied to your word as our guidance in every decision. And lead us, Lord God, in this new year. We pray in the name of Jesus. And for your glory. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. We apologize about how long this went today. But I wanted to share you what God had put in my heart. Greet one another in the name of Jesus.